Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. I, of course, am your host, Kevin Hart. Guys, I can't do this. I can't do it alone. I need guests. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is a very funny comedian. Uh, I had the privilege of seeing you perform years ago. I'll see if you remember. And then you ended up doing a festival for laugh out loud uh and we also share a mutual friend that speaks so highly of you i'm talking about zaynab ladies and gentlemen <laughs> zaynab welcome to inside jokes how you doing i'm pretty good kevin thanks for having me zaynab i never hear you say your last name it's uh johnson zaynab johnson right I always say zaynab johnson but no on stage else. well yeah people get tripped up i think they have such a hard time with zaynab that they just forget johnson well, you know what? It's not that you forget Johnson. Zaynab is so powerful. It's like, holy shit. That's a goddamn name. You want to hear a funny story, though? Go ahead. We have a few mutual friends. Okay. So the first TV uh, appearance I ever did was Arsenio when Arsenio came back. Okay. And I told Arsenio, my name is Zaynab Johnson. <laughs> but when I was done performing, he was like, give it up for Zaynab. And so when I got home, <laughs> although I felt like oh, I did my first TV set, I only been doing comedy for like two and a half, three years. This is going great. Naeem Lynn calls me mm -hmm. and Naeem says, who are you? Nobody has a first name anymore. What are you, Sinbad? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, use your full name. Nobody mm -hmm. has just a first name. And I was like. Well, first of all, that's Arsenio's fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. But Second can I all, get a congratulations first? Well, first of all, you should have told Naeem to go fuck himself. That's, <laughs> that's the first thing. Naeem, Naeem, you shut your face. Okay. You <laughs> you you can't call nobody and say how to do you shut your wide-eyed face. That's what you should have told Naeem. Uh okay. to our listeners, she's talking about Naeem Lynn. You guys should be familiar with him straight from the heart. He's our uh weekly asshole on Tuesdays and Thursdays to think he knows it all. When he knows nothing, the dumbest, <laughs> smartest friend I have. But it's not about him. It's not about him. It's about you, Zaynab. Zaynab Johnson. Um, what I was going to say is Zaynab is such a pop and so powerful. Then you go Johnson. Johnson's like, oh, shit. I, you, you're expecting a different payoff after hearing Zaynab. You are. And you know what? To be very honest with you, I thought about like dropping it or changing it. You better not. No, I won't. So this, and I don't mean to go here at this moment. What do you I mean? We, we're going to go everywhere in these moments. So please do. <laughs> it was, it's my dad's last name. My dad passed away. And mm -hmm. so I just feel compelled to 
carry his name on. What, where did you feel like we just went? Like, what, what was that? I don't want to go here. What, yeah. Where did you feel like that was taking us? Yeah. So if you if you if anybody listens to any interview I do, I always feel the pressure to be funny as a comedian. But I always come with some deep shit. Mm-hmm. Always come with some serious like, you know, just mm-hmm. something deep. And I, and I just feel like, oh, they want me to crack jokes. No, that's not what this is. I mean, okay. granted, if you feel like being funny and you got something funny that you want to say, you can. But I told you the purpose of this. This isn't that. This isn't, I don't, I don't need you to be on here. Okay. I want to talk to you. Okay. That's the biggest thing with this. It's a conversation. Um, I'm going to let you know what my guy, my brother Keith Robinson, what Keith told me about you. Keith says to me, he goes, Kevin, I got this girl that I need you to see. He says, man, she's funny. He says, but she's so smart and she's got it. And I was like, Keith, you don't use that. You don't use that term. You don't use that phrase unless a person really does. I've, I've literally only seen Keith after myself, right? <laughs> after myself, I'm going to say Wanda Sykes is somebody that Keith swore by, mm-hmm. loved her to death um, and, and was attached to. and. He's close with Rock. And and then there was me and kind of like helping me understand and shape and mold me. And then I became what I became. Wanda became what she became. Rock became what he became. But these are the only people that I've ever heard Keith really speak passionately about. Mm-hmm. The only other two people that I've ever heard Keith say something about was Zaynab Johnson. And Jermaine Fowler. Those are the only other two people that I've ever heard Keith Robinson say something about. Well, I'm flattered. I'm flattered. And thank you. And I see you, right? And you were everything that he said you were. You were smart as fuck. And your stage presence was dope because you were talking in this tone where I, I felt like the audience had no choice but to listen to you because it was like you weren't overperforming at a stage in your career where most people overperform. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I realized early that the quieter I get, the quieter the audience gets. Mm. And I think to my benefit, I realized early that, um, I don't know that it, I'm really comfortable in silence, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I noticed that a lot of comedians, especially new comedians starting off, they get, especially if you have to work in like an, a quote unquote urban room, mm-hmm. you don't want any sort of silence. But I found that that's really like my sweet spot. There's so. a fear though. There's a fear attached to that. When you talk about, you know, uh, black comics and you talk about silence, there's a fear. Silence is automatically attached to bombing, doing bad. Yeah. It's yeah. never perceived as listening for some reason. Yeah. You never, you never take it as people are listening in which, in which they are. People automatically attach it to the worst. Oh my God, I'm bombing. When yeah. you, you can actually just be talking and people can be processing what you're saying. You could be setting the audience up to have one of the biggest laughs they've ever had. There's so many different ways to play it, but I saw you work the fuck out of a room in this intimate ass setting in a way that was so dope. And I called Keith after, man. And I was like, yo, I said, you never miss. You're, you're, you're spot on with the individuals that you have attached your 
likeliness to. You're spot on. Mm-hmm. And you and you are that. I want to ask you, what why comedy? I remember in your set, you were talking about your your family. You, mm-hmm. you come from a how big is your family? I'm one of 13, so I have 12 yeah. siblings. I remember. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 13. <laughs> Fuck. It's too Fuck. much. My, I'm like, did we have a did like did my mom have a TV, a hobby? Come on. Like Fuck. A condom. Come on. 13. 13. And you one fall in line where? I'm fifth from the top. Jesus. Okay. And, and the, the comedy, how, like why, why stand up comedy? I have no idea. I would love to say that I have the story that a lot of people have like, Oh, when I was a baby, I saw Eddie Murphy in that tight purple suit and was like, I gotta do this. Damn. That's my story. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a lot of people's story. Like the first person that made them laugh, they were like, I have to be a comedian. And so, (laughs) I love comedy. I watch it. That used to be my pregame. Like when I was in college, instead of like drinking or going up, I would go to comedy shows before I went to a club. Like that's just what, and and I respected it and I loved it, but I never thought I could do it. And then, you know, one day I started working for someone who was like producing comedy. And that led me to like being around a lot of comedians on a very consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed a couple of things. I noticed a few things about myself. Like I would rewrite people's jokes in my mind. Like I would watch them on stage and I would understand like, oh, that worked because of his or her personality. Oh, that wor- that's an act out. Oh, I would have said it. Oh, if they would have said this, then that would have got that. Like I just naturally started doing that. Um, and then I went to this show. My friend invited me to this show where it was all women. And it was like, it was something about women aren't funny or something like that. And I hate to say that these women weren't funny, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, I think this is a disservice. But I didn't say it in my mind, like, this is a disservice and I'm and I'm the like savior. It was just in that moment. I was like, I think I can do this. Like, I think I have an understanding of this that I never really paid attention to. And so I'm going to try it. Mm. And and then I tried it and it's gone well since. It's gone it's well gone enough well. to make me not quit. <laughs> How many years have you been doing it now? It made 10 years in this 20, 2020 made the end of 2020 made 10 years. Wow. Oh, I mean, time flies. Time flies. Like I, I can't believe it. I swear to God. I remember, I remember in those beginning, in that I won't say it was like the beginning, beginning. But it was a it was a healthy six years ago, probably six oh, yeah. to seven years ago. That I'm talking about when I know that Keith was talking about like it's some it's some time under there. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember this. So you produced Keith's back of the bus special. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I was the opening act. Yes. Fuck. And yes. I was the opening. Oh, that's right. I hadn't been doing, I may have been doing comedy three years. Like yeah, I, it was like seven years. Yes. I, I had just like made it into three years. And it's funny. I was looking on my like Instagram and I was deleting pictures. And when I scrolled down, I saw a, it's me, you, Keith and Chris Rock in the picture. And I'm like, that's so crazy. This was like when I first started and I had this like experience and this opportunity. So it's, insane. it's yeah, it's been a minute. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, within the journey so far, I mean, mm-hmm. has it been everything that you thought it would be or has it been more? 
I'd say it's been, ooh, I don't, to be very honest with you, I don't know what I thought it would be. Mm. I don't know what I thought it would be, but I am very happy with what it's given me so far. Like I look at my career and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly elevating. And I think that that's a good sign, right? Mm -hmm. I think that if I'm saying I'm constantly moving up and moving forward, that's positive. That's positive for me. Right. But I don't think that I have learned more about myself than when I've been a stand-up comic. Mm. Like I am constantly evaluating how I feel about things, what I think about things. And then after figuring out how I think, how I feel, how I'm interpreting something, then I'm trying to make it funny. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't think I've learned, like I feel like I've gotten to know myself through stand-up. You're always, you're always breaking something down. And I, I call it a, I call it the three act the 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 consistent three act right like if you're writing a movie well your movie's going to have three acts act one act two act three and each act has to mean something so as a comedian there is no thought that's just a thought it's a thought that you're always trying to find a meaning behind so when you're like why am i doing this or what happened after this well then that means i have to if you're always thinking like that it's because you're you're constantly thinking in the stages of improving Mm -hmm. Not you're not just a one thought and that's enough individual in stand up mm -hmm. comedy mm -hmm. because it's either is this an idea? Is this a joke? Is this a story? Oh, is this something that I could bring to the stage? Should I not bring it to the stage? Oh, wait, is this just some shit about me? Maybe this is a side of me that becomes the new me. It's always something. It's a wheel that constantly goes on. So I do. I do understand. You know, I asked you the question and I just said, is it what you thought it would be? Um, you know, or or not like basically when i talk to a lot of uh women in comedy right and a lot of them are my friends i love the different perspectives because there's there's so many different ways that i found out that women look at stand-up some it's tough some it's tough but i like the fact that it's been tough because it made me get better, smarter, uh, prepared me for the things that were going to come. Um, some friends feel like, you know what, it's a shitty business and is dominated by men and women don't get uh, a good enough treatment or fair enough opportunity. I've, I've literally heard so many different scales. So when I think about the men that you've come up around and that you, like you said earlier on, you're around myself, you're around Chris, you're around Keith. Did you ever feel like, like your opportunities were, were basically not as big as they should have been or could have been because of you being a woman? Or do you feel like you've had, uh, you feel like you've had pretty much a, a good, a good street. You've been able to go down a good road and it's been balanced enough to where you can't say those things. So I don't disagree with anything that the, you know, that the women who you've talked to before, I don't disagree with any of that. Like, I do think it's difficult. I would never just say comedy is like, um, you know, it sucks and it's so difficult because it's male dominated because comedy is just a subset of the world. And the world is male dominant. Everything is harder for a woman in the world, you know? And, and comedy is just a really small part of that. 
I do think that I've um, had a pretty good road compare like I hear the stories too with women like I was watching a, like a, a, a special on comedy and all the women were talking about how they got to put uh chairs up against their door somebody showed up with a key they had to share a hotel room mm. with the feature and and I'm like where are they do where is this at I've never mm-hmm. I, you know like I'm I dare somebody to come in my hotel. Like I've just never felt the danger mm-hmm. that like the physical danger that a lot of women that travel on the road have felt. I do feel like there's more opportunities for men because uh, men are comfortable around other men, you mm-hmm. know, like I, I didn't realize until I started headlining myself, Oh yeah, when somebody told me they didn't want me to be with them on the road, it's not because I'm not good. It's because the road is lonely and you want your friends with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like if I if, if one of my best homegirls did comedy, she would be the person I would want on the road with. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, but it 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 before knowing that or learning that. I just wanted what I wanted, which was to be on stage as much as possible. And so if somebody told me no, regardless of the reason, I got a problem with that because I'm not getting what I want, you Mm. know? Um, Mm. But, you know, I think the experience is also providing a lot of understanding for me. But I do feel like there's more opportunity for not just men, but there's more opportunity or, or rather more grace for white people versus black people people of color you know like i i'm i'm not concerned about this because i feel like my material is so specific and i try and keep it that way i try to tell jokes only i can tell Mm -hmm. um but i know that if you know perfect story my first time auditioning for new faces jfl i killed destroyed destroyed Mm -hmm. in LA and destroyed in New York and one of the feedback that I got at the time I had a shaved head the feedback I got was well we I mean we don't know she has a shaved head like what's the look (laughs) and at the time I'm like dang I didn't even I, I thought the shaved head was dope you know, mm. like I thought that it was, I thought that I was like elevated in life by being able to rock a shaved head. I didn't know that it was going to be the thing that worked against me in that instance. You know what I'm you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's the same as like if, you know, black women talk about sex and stuff like that, we're considered raunchy. But you know, if a white girl talks about sex or whatever, she's like provocative. You know what I'm saying? Mm. She's like edgy. And that's like, we love edgy. We don't love raunchy, but we love edgy. So I think those things exist. I don't necessarily run into those things because, you know, I'm, I don't want to toot my own horn, but (laughs) the stuff that comes out of my mouth most times is special. I got you. I got you. I mean, look, I mean, that's not tuning your own horn. (laughs) Saying saying that you haven't, saying that you haven't experienced those things, that's not, that's not you. You're not saying anything bad. You know, it's like it's 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 almost like talking about there's a difference from the guy that's like, uh, I know racism exists. I haven't personally experienced it, but I know that shit is real. He's not saying that black man is saying that. Yeah. Isn't saying anything wrong. He's saying, no, this shit is out here. Yeah. I haven't had my instant fucking moment with it, but I know it's out here. 
Yeah. You saying everything that you just said is like, yo, I'm aware. And I, I side with the women because I've heard the stories. Mm-hmm. My road hasn't put me in a position to deal with that. And that's why I asked you about your role, you know, because what what I found when a lot of the shit was coming up uh, after, you know, uh, the the Me Too movement and, you know, you just you you started to see just a wave of conversation with women uh, from all different aspects of business and life, just talking about positions that they've been put in where it's been male power and themselves in a situation where they felt like I was mistreated, disrespected or whatever. And then I remember when there was a wave of fucking female comedians, women comedians, I'm sorry, I was told recently I'm not supposed to say female. <laughs> uh, so let me take that back. I'll yeah, say- that, that was a room on Clubhouse. Yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm, I, I, don't even, I don't even say anything. I just, what I do now is go, okay, so I'm I'm going to I'm going to honor it. Uh, but then I was, you know, things were coming up and it was like women that were comics were like, yeah, it was tough being on the road. I couldn't get on the road because it was this or men that were headliners were making me feel like I couldn't do it unless it was this or backstages or green rooms were this. And I was like, I never saw that. Like, that's not I never got to fucking see that. So when the women comedians that I know that I'm so close to were telling me shit. It was kind of jaw dropping. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, I had no idea. Granted you, you hear shit, but you think people got to, you know, they're in a situation shit's going on. I never knew it was the, at the level that it was at in the yeah. world of comedy. Yeah. That's why I asked you the question about your journey, about where you are now, and if there had been any bumps in the road or difficulties. Well, you know, there was one time I was trying to get on a show that I just don't want to name and because if when I if I name the names, it'll get very specific. But I tried to get on the show and I did deal with that from like the promoter, which and he was very aggressive, like, well, what you gonna do for me? What you gonna do for me? And I said. Well, to be honest with you, they're saying that your show is a very hard show to do. I don't really feel like it's any value to me. I just want to see if I could do it. Mm. So, so what is your show going to do for me? And when I said that to him, he just stepped back. He stepped out of my personal space and he was like, I'm going to put you up next Monday. I'm like, cool. So, so, so while I'm confused, him. With- <laughs> confused him. you hit him, you Jedi mind drifting. Yeah, it's like, but also it's just like, you know, I've always been um, in tune with power dynamics, you mm. know, and it's like he he did. He did feel like he had some power over me, both physically and in terms of like a goal of mine. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, OK, you think you got the power. If I break it down to you, I actually think I'm too smart for your room. Mm. They're saying every comedian out here is saying that your room is 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 a is a is a rite of passage. That if we don't bomb in this room, then that means it's good. I just want to see if I'm not going to bomb. Mm. But other than that, you don't service me. Your room don't service me. So tell me what you're going to do for me. Yeah, you yeah. know. And I I think I also have a very like um polite or I don't know like a, a very specific demeanor, but. I, I was born in Brooklyn. I grew up in Harlem. Like I, 
you're not about to say, I got seven brothers, one who loves to go to jail. I'm not about that. Like, you're not about to just <laughs> say what you want to me. <laughs> I'm groomed for this. Yeah, like I'm, I'm groomed for this type of nonsense in this type of position. Uh, Zayna, wait, we got to take a quick commercial break. Okay. We're going to pay some bills. Don't go anywhere. People are enjoying it. And I know they are because I am. God damn it. Right now, you're in the mind of Zaynab. And what an amazing mind it is. An in-depth but funny conversation. God damn. You're listening to Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now back to Comedy gold mines. Hosted by Kevin Hart. All right, and we're back. And more Zaynab, our woman of the hour. You know what's dope about, about information like this? I just love that, you know, I love that it's real. I love that it's a real perspective. I love that it's a real, a real point of view that comes from real experience. Because, you know, to the listeners, like I said, it's about getting into the mind of a comedian. You know, what we go through, how we think what makes us tick, what makes us talk. It's, it's, I think that we are some of the most interesting people walking on the face of the earth. Oh, I really, because I've, I've, and, and that's from all, all aspects. I'm, I'm talking the most interesting people in the world that I have come across have shared the same crafts that I have. Mm -hmm. And that's no bullshit. I want to know what, what right now, what are the goals? You know, when you, when you talk about, comedy and you talk about you you know you talked about you in the beginning stages you went to a room and the title of that room was you know women aren't funny or um, i think that was the title you said correct me if i'm wrong it was something like that i can't remember something the like specific that. but that was pretty much it you go to the comedy room and in this particular room these women just so happen to not be funny mm -hmm. not be funny we're not saying that all women aren't funny of course no, but these women yeah. these women weren't and you said you know what that made me say i can fucking do this like i have a love for it a passion i'm gonna try this mm -hmm. now being in this game for 10 years we we've went down a nice path here we've talked about um you know just your family your upbringing we talked about the reason and why uh you stumbled into it you would love to say you had a great story but you didn't uh your road hasn't been a crazy one although we know the horror stories that are attached to some women and their experiences yours hasn't been what's the want for zaynab johnson what do you want from comedy? I want to leave a, a, a respected female legacy. I mean, female. Com I want to leave a respected comedic legacy. Mm. And I've been thinking about that a lot. Like in the past few years when like, you know, interviewers ask like, oh, what do you like? What are your dreams? And I'm like, oh, I want, you know, like I want to just tell my story. I want to show. I want to do movies. I want to tour. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's all good, right? That's great. Like I really I'm no fool. I want to be able to support myself and my family and their family with my craft. But 
I want to leave like legacy. I want for, for generations to be like, oh, this is what you do in like 2090 or whatever. Well, you got to watch this, this woman's tape. Mm. Mm. That's what, you know what I'm saying? I want to, I, 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 I go on long walks and I'll listen to Pryor, Cosby, you know, uh, Carlin. I'll listen to wow, so I love that. different people just to like, and it's not, it's, it's, it's like, they're before my time. So, it, you know, it, it was hard for me to get on Richard Pryor. It was hard for me to appreciate him. For me, the first comedian is Eddie Murphy. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's very hard. But when you when I tell somebody like a Keith, I don't, I don't know Richard Pryor. I know Eddie Murphy. He's like, get get out my face until you know Richard. Right. It's, so it's, I would. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. I would walk and listen to those tapes to understand like, OK, what do these people, what are these people that everybody consider as great? You know, what are they doing? What is what's the common denominator in this thing? And I want to be a part of that common denominator. Wow. You know, I, love and I, also, that. I also feel like it's so hard when you ask people who your favorite comedians are. It's very hard for people to point to women, you know, and I and I hope to be a part of that change. Mm, I like that. I mean, you know what? I, I can say I can say that. I understand why you can say, you know, it, it would be hard, but I think to the comedy snobs, right? Because there are people that consider themselves to be comedy snobs mm -hmm. who, who are about nothing else but comedy. And as I hear you talk more and more, you're a comedy snob <laughs> because you, you are, you don't, you're not just, you're not just doing it. You, you want to, you want to truly understand it, it, and, it in its entirety. You want to know, well, I need to hear it then. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to listen to the special. I want to break it down. I'm going to process it. Oh, okay. Well, they said this. I don't know that, but I'm going to now educate myself on it. Well, that's the makings of a comedy snob. And as a comedy snob, you know the women that are groundbreakers. Mm -hmm. You know the women that shook up some serious fucking ground and that really helped change and shape and mold the business there's there's some that i could point to um in the the mind of touring there's some that i could point to in the mind of material there's some that i can point to um and touching on like fucking rock rock star status within that space i mean wanda i can go fucking one of the smartest comics that that i've seen touching mike you know like she's she's fucking great i love wanda I'm talking about Wanda Sykes for our listeners. If you want to talk about that that level up that was the game-changing opportunity for women in comedy, the queens of comedy. But I know it was Monique, Samore, Adele. That was a fucking huge-ass tour. Yeah. That was a huge-ass tour. And women weren't the only ones buying tickets to that tour. That was that was couples men whatever like that was a signature stamp in comedy for funny um and and i can keep going you know i can keep going with the women today that have taken stand up and have used it to springboard to a different platform you know when you look at tiffany tiffany's success it started with stand up and now tiffany and her theatrical success and tv success it all stems from there so you know i i i respect the women that have been able to touch that stage and utilize it correctly. I like the fact that you're saying, I want to be a part of a different conversation. Mm -hmm. That different kind. Laura Hayes is her name. Yes, Laura Hayes. Laura Hayes. That different conversation <clears throat> is one of the greats, period. Yeah. Not not great woman, not 
not great, you know, uh, as a as a as a woman that was doing comedy. She's one. No, I want to be a part of that conversation in its entirety. I think that's when you're that's when you're shooting for the best stars out there. Yeah. The biggest stars. That's dope as fuck to me. Yeah. Um, what's the world of material in today's time for you? How do you feel about our climate? You know, with how comedy is uh, is being perceived and, and everybody has an opinion about what's right, what's wrong. Is it too sensitive? Is it OK? How are you feeling in this time? I um, I do feel like the people are a little bit too sensitive. Um, and I think that it drowns out the conversation where sometimes it is very sensitive. You know, like sometimes there is reason to be like, hold up, hold up, hold up. That's that's not funny. Or that's like, that might be funny, but your timing is bad. Everybody knows comedy is timing too. Mm -hmm. You know, like the timing is off. So you Mm -hmm. you gotta hold that joke is either too early or too late, figure it out, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But I... I don't know. I think I think that my mind has changed in terms of specials. I remember when specials were like an event, you know, like specials. We we got I, I feel like we got so few of them. Um, and now there's like I think it's an it's over overly saturated. But I don't think that that's a bad thing. I just think that it's a, I think that it's a change in, in a good way because like comedy used to be like niche, right? Mm-hmm. Comedy used to be like this really small subset that you have to go. Now it is fully mainstream. Comedy is like the hip hop of television. It went from being this small thing to being like the main thing that people want to do. You know, like I think people want to be comedians now because they see people like you. They see comedians like you and they're like that's a rock star. That's a superstar. I want to be that, you know, before you could only get that from like musicians and I don't know, fill in the blank. But so (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, (laughs) But I do think that, um, that people are sensitive, but I also don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, if I, I mean, for me personally, now I'm not, at the point in my life where, you know, if I say something, I'm gonna lose a $50 million brand deal. You know, I understand that those decisions change. Right now, I, t- I stand to lose 45,000 Instagram followers <laughs> and, you know, a consistent three Gs. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That ain't, that's not a hard decision for me to make. But <laughs> if, you know, two years from now, Nike is like, we can't mess, you know what I'm saying? You, you either apologize or take <laughs> million. I might go on an apology tour, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, I do find it very interesting that we all, like, we all have these very strong opinions and we all say what we think a person should do, you know? But in that, in that, in that scenario, like, we don't know what, we don't, I, I was in a clubhouse room, Kevin. I was in a clubhouse room. <laughs> Somebody said, somebody said something about your special. Somebody mm-hmm. said something about your most recent special. We were talking about Nate Parker, right? Nate Parker got his new movie coming out. And so we were talking about cancel culture, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm completely against, I don't want to get into it, but I'm, I'm against can, cancel culture mm-hmm. and all, you know what I'm saying? But so somebody posed you at your special as like, you know, like, oh, well, the, the the controversy about you know your joke about your daughter and you know 
uh, do you think Kevin will eventually be canceled? And I, this is my honest answer. I was like, well, I don't know. A lot of people's livelihoods depend on Kevin surviving. <laughs> I said, so it's going to, he going to have to do a whole lot. I said, it's, it's, it's people that we ain't even thinking about. They kids enjoying private school right now because of Kevin Hart. So it's going to take a lot to bring that machine down. You know, like, I don't think people think about that, you know? So, I personally, it just tickled me. He said, "I mean, listen, right now, I, I stand to lose forty-five thousand Instagram followers. All right, it's like a three grand. I mean, listen, I, I'm not. That's not much. So whatever. But I can say what I want right. I now. can say what I want right now. Okay, I I love that perspective. Now, Zainab, you had briefly mentioned cancel culture." And, you know, when you mentioned it, you're like, look, I'm not a part of it. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't I give a fuck about cancer culture. I don't, I don't, cancer culture to me isn't real. It's not real. It's you not. have a bunch of people who say a word and put it with another word and make that a thing. And then you got some people that panic behind it, right? You got corporate, corporate businesses that panic within the world of a cancel fucking culture. Mm -hmm. Cancel. Okay. God, Jesus, they're saying it. They're saying it. Let's react. So the internet has created this thing of they, mm -hmm. right? Like I remember when when I used to this like used to be an ongoing thing in my house. I'm a movie buff, Zainab. I love fucking movies. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions that I love to do is, "Yo, did you see such and such movie?" Right? Let's say Training Day just came out. Mm -hmm. Man, I didn't see it yet. But I heard it's the shit. Well, who you hear it from? That's what they saying. Who the fuck is they? <laughs> who, who is they? I'm just saying, from what I heard, everything they saying is, hey, man, specifics. Who? Like, you know somebody that saw it? Or you talk to somebody? Or you, where are you pulling this thing from? What I found is that nobody saw the fucking movie mm. that I would be asking the questions to. Mm. But they will all give me answers based off of hypothetical information that they've been hearing from other hypothetical sources. That's what cancel culture has become. Mm -hmm. Cancel culture is all based off of, nah, they said, we can't. No, you gotta. Man, it's time that we, well, hold on. Well, wait, now granted, some shit is just blatant where everybody gotta say no that's yeah, fucked up yeah. no, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's not ignore that with okay? a monkey in a jungle yeah. no we yeah, gotta yeah yeah no that's the, no, just come on now this is enough <laughs> enough is enough all right so some shit some shit to your point is just in your face but the constant conversation around you know things that just that are just opinion driven i don't know it doesn't they don't hold that much value to me you know. Yeah, yeah. I it's, I think I, I, I always like an artist that can stand on a shit for lack of better, you know, terms. You know, I think corporations are different. I think that if you, you know, if you if I buy your stuff and then you and you put up some shit that's, that's racist, like, you know, I, I've seen this for years. I used to always talk about it, how like in commercials, you would see like if you see like a single white woman in a commercial with a kid, she will always have on a wedding ring. If you, mm. see, uh, if you see a black woman in a commercial with a kid, she would never have on a wedding ring. And it's like, that's, yeah, that's subliminal. But a lot of people don't recognize. I mean, I've been like, you know how you've been like awake since like 
2002 and then people woke up in like 2014 and now everybody's, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I've been seeing that, right? So I think that cancel culture rather started from a good place. It's like, yes. we see this major injustice yes. to a group of people and that group of people on behalf of that group of people, we're going to speak up collectively and say, we not with it. Right. Yes. And, and have that thing removed. I, I sighed and I understand yes. that part of it. Yeah. That like, that's what, that's why I said there's certain shit where you're like, okay, yes. no, I get it. And this is it. That's the side of it that you had to go, oh no, this is wrong. And as a group, we are now going to come together and we're going to make sure that there's a change. Yeah. This person is not going to be anymore. We're going to get them removed. This company is not going to be able to do this thing that they've done repeatedly. We're going to have this stopped and it's not going to be supported. I get that part. Yeah. But then there became a chain effect mm -hmm. of the of the the lesser than that are on the quote unquote internet that are in love with a phrase and term, right? Yeah. You know, when you hear about when you hear about Carl. Carl from the real estate office. Well, Carl came in jean shorts and, you know, on one leg, they found out Carl had a tattoo and it's, it's something inappropriate. And Carl goes, well, this was a bad decision at 16. And they go, well, no, fuck that. Carl, you're not going to be able to, it's time for you to get canceled. Well, Carl, like, hold on. I can't, I can't get this tattoo removed. Guys, there's nothing, there's nothing I can do about this. Well, I'll tell you what, whenever you figure out what you could do, it won't be here because you're canceled. You're out of here. And Carl's like, well, what if I'd have just kept my pants on, nobody would ever saw this. But I wore jean shorts today and you saw this inappropriate thing. And now you're holding this over me. What can I do to fix it? Nothing. Because your life is over. You're canceled. Yeah, I don't think people understand that side of the damage, not for the ones that may deserve it, mm -hmm. but for for Carl or, you know, for Rashida that came to work and they found out Rashida said some shit when she was 13. And, and now they say, well, you canceled Rashida. Rashida goes, I'm 34. Wait a minute. What do you mean? I'm canceled. Cancel. That's it. You ain't gonna never work again. Well, guys, that means I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're. Are we okay with that side of what this is? You're basically, you're offing people to a certain degree. I mean, I, I completely agree. And and you're what you're talking about is netizen dirt digging. Those people that go back into years of- That's a great word. What the fuck was that word? Jesus Christ. It was like- <laughs> So, Jesus. you know- <laughs> What was that? What did you say? Is it netizen? I thought- like citizen, but medicine. Like medicine citizen. dirt digging. Jesus Christ, yeah, you heard it here first. Dirt digging. Yeah. It's like when people they they just they sit in it's like the reverse of trolling, you know. They go back to years of your history on the internet and find something. And I never trust stuff like that because it's like, yeah, you said it. And I would like to know how you feel. Like I'd like to see the growth, but the timing, I always pay attention, Kevin, to the timing. Like, mm -hmm. why are you showing me this now? Mm. We, mm. we know this happened. We know this happened 10 years ago. We was all aware of it 10 years ago. But why are you making a big deal of it now? Yeah, you but know? everybody doesn't have that. Yeah. And I don't. And I, I mean, but I think that, you know, I think that's what makes me a, a good comic. I think that I look at a lot of things in life with a healthy level of skepticism, you know, and that's people's opinions, too. Like, oh, you didn't. 
well, why you didn't like, oh, you ain't even, I can't even, I will shut somebody up so quick if they say, yeah, 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 no, I didn't like training day. Oh, did you see it? What did you, oh, no, I ain't see it yet. Okay, well, we, you, thanks we for ending talk. the conversation. Yeah, I'm we not talking talk. to you. All right, wait, Zaynab, please hold that thought. I got to pay some more bills. We'll be back with more of Zaynab Johnson. We're inside her mind in this hour. And what a mind it is. We'll be back right after this. This is Comedy Gold Mines with host Kevin Hart. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Now more from Kevin Hart on Comedy Gold Mines. We are back. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, Zaynab Johnson. I don't like that you can't criticize somebody you love. Mm. I don't like that. I think that... Like, I don't, I don't feel like, I love Beyonce, mm-hmm. but I cannot think a song is good. But if I say, I love Beyonce, but this album ain't do it for me, I don't want to be labeled a hater. Mm. I want to be, mm. I want you to respect, just like you respected my mm. other 90 positive opinions, I mm-hmm. want you to be able to respect something that isn't, you, that quote unquote seems not positive, but it's not, it's just like, this one ain't do it for me. Mm. I'm not trying, I ain't trying to say she shouldn't sell a record. I'm not trying to say that she's not a superstar or a beast or like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking any of that away, but can I just say that this one wasn't for me without you know, y'all trying to cancel me? You know, it's funny. We were, so there was a clubhouse conversation. This is the one time that I went on clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Shit almost got shut down. And the room, the room was called, it was titled, Kevin Hart ain't funny, right? Okay. So, uh, Naeem, Spank, oh my God, they called me. And they're like, yo, Kev, you got to hear the shit they say in this room. They use it as clickbait, but they're in the room and they're actually having a good conversation. You should shock the fuck out of them coming. Mm-hmm. So, I come in the room and I'm in the room. We're having like a great conversation, actually, right? And, you know, one of the guys said to me, he was like, yo, man, I think this special it's just, this wasn't your best. And I was like, I understand. I said, you're more entitled, you know. To your than, opinion. Yeah, it's like, do you, you're absolutely welcome to have that opinion. I said, I understand. I don't have any rebuttal. I said, I'm still happy with it. I think it was dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but naturally, some people are going to like it, some people aren't. And uh, there was another woman that that started talking and as she was talking about the the special, you know, she was trying to attack some of the topics, mm-hmm. right? And I said, I said, you got to understand that in this conversation that we're having, I'm not here to defend anything. Mm-hmm. I jumped on for dialogue. I said, I don't have to defend anything. I don't have to. Mm-hmm. I said, if if there's a <clears throat> dialogue or conversation then it's easy to be had. In this case, the dope thing is talking to my fans or not fans about what they like or don't like and me to listen. If anything, I'm here to listen and I can either choose to take it or not. But they, they, the people in the room 
ran with the side of anger and I just ended up leaving the room because in their mind it came off as you're too good or you're too above or you can't listen because I won't feed into the negative. Whereas what you just said, I completely agree with. You can, you can ultimately, you can always critique. You can always critique. I mean, that's the easiest thing in life to do. Mm-hmm. Easiest thing in life to do is to critique. Think about it. What's what's easier? What's easier than critiquing or being mean? I don't know what's those, those things. They're easy fucking choices. Or some people go, well, I don't really. I'll keep my shit to myself because I didn't really, which is fine too. But as an artist, it's your job to either listen or not listen, or stay true to whatever fucking journey you want or, or alter that journey based off of what you just heard or told. It's that it's like, it's, it's really weird because what you just said, it makes me think about that. Like you should be able to say that and then not be a fucking crazy back and forth. But I don't feel like people respect the definition of opinions today. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's all, it's all like a back and forth, right? It's like, yeah, I, I can have the opinion that I didn't enjoy one piece of work and you can choose not to listen to me like that's also, and I have to accept that, but here's the difference, Kevin, it's social media. Social media has made all of our stars accessible to us. Okay. It just is what it is. Uh, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, they would not, all of those people would not have been able to have a conversation with Kevin Hart. Now, what you got to ask people, this is what you, this is the question you got to pose to people. Do you hate it enough to write a letter? (laughs) Do 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 you feel strongly enough about this thing to get a pen, a paper, Write it down, go stand online at the slow ass post office, buy a stamp, lick it, get a paper cut on your tongue. You get what I'm saying? Like, do you, do you feel that strongly about it? Because it's so easy to type into your phone. It's so easy to go on social media and have an opinion. It's ladies and gentlemen, this is what I mean when I say Zainab is such a smart fucking comic, man. Like, I, I admire her wit so much. Like, right there, the comparison of today and yesteryear. So simple. So simple. But to say, like, are people that angry about the things that they appear to be that angry about? To go back in time and write a letter? And back in time, you got to think about it. We didn't hear about things. The only people that really wrote letters were the people that had time. <laughs> Hence, the fucking old woman in the window in your neighborhood. The fucking old man is upset that the garbage truck doesn't come at the hour they're supposed to come. It's people with fucking time. And we're seeing people because of these devices and because of social media, like you just said, Zaynab, with more time. Here's Here's a question for you. Does that affect you as a comic? Does it affect you? Does, does the, the opinion of others about your material affect you? Uh Uh-oh, deep breath. (laughs) I um, A deep breath and a sinister, (laughs) uncomfortable laugh. Because if you you went into like my DMs and watched like my uh, correspondence with my fans, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of (laughs) mean. 
kind of mean, you know, I get, I get messages like, Hey, I sent you a joke. And, you know, I noticed that you are in there. And I said, listen, 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 listen. I appreciate you. I don't want to lose you as a fan, but you're not my friend. I don't, you know, I say it, I say it. So I feel like I'm establishing, you know, a, a certain behavior. I'm establishing a certain expectation that they can have uh, with and from me, you know, just because, so when I stand to lose, you know, 5 million followers, they know, they like, no, this is how she been, you know, she been not really letting us tell her what to do. Um, because I, I, so, so on stage, right. I never feel like I get on stage with the intention of being, uh, prejudicial, being, uh, problematic, being hateful. Like I always feel like my intentions are to either express my life mm -hmm. um, or bring levity to something that we're all afraid to talk about, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I, I, if my intentions are pure, but it affects you in a way that I didn't intend, then, then my, my ears and my heart is really open to understand you because the information you provide to me will help my material, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. it'll inform my material because now you're providing me with, with more POV. Right. But if it's just simply about, I'm a fan and you used to talk in this voice, but now you are doing something new and I don't like it. I need you to go back. I, it's just like, you know, no, you, your power in this is to stop purchasing my, my you don't like the t-shirts I'm making. Don't buy these t-shirts no That's more. It. That is your power. Yeah. You know, and I think that a lot of people don't realize that that's where their their power is and that's going back to like cancel culture with corporations it's like yeah all of us tweeted cancel this but how many of y'all stopped shopping there very true everybody said boycott gucci but i see a but 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 everybody got caught with the uh pp ppe loans buying gucci right so yeah. did, i mean did we cancel gucci yeah or, well, you know what happened? What I'm like what mm -hmm. you know where like, when you say when you say when you say what you just said, do you feel like people now feel like they have a sense of entitlement Absolutely. over over the craft of others? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if they feel like they can like garner a collective body. Like you said, people take on the opinions of others, you know, like Oh, well, I saw I saw it's trending right now that this is a thing. So let me get let me let me tweet my best stuff about it. You know, let me say that I hate it or say that I want to change. And I and I do feel that people what we have to understand is that so many people in their everyday lives feel powerless. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get on a device and get somebody as big as a Kevin Hart or a, you know, fill in a blank, you can get them to do something or your favorite person. If you can get Zainab Johnson to do something, forgive me, I feel so weird to refer to yourself in third person. Oh my it's God. not, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. <laughs> I don't got enough followers to refer it's to myself. 45,000 You know, but people feel like they've accomplished something. Mm -hmm. They feel like they've been empowered and it's, it's, you know what it is, Kevin? It's that guy at the club. It's that guy at the club. He he at the door. He got the rope, and he you know his life is miserable. <sighs> but in that moment, that's he got power I, over the you. guy at the rope is the first 
is the first worldwide dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> the guy at the rope. For our listeners, Zaynab is referring to the guy that's responsible for letting people in the club. I don't care where you are. When our world was what it was and going out was a thing. Well, that club and that guy at the door that controlled the rope, he was everything. Mm -hmm. He was made to be everything on that night. He's the guy. Not right now. You got to wait. Chill. Mm -hmm. In a second. Mm -hmm. I'll find out. Wait for him to come up. It was all about when I say that people will go and they'll be able to do. That guy, that's a fucking great example, Zaynab. And everybody is looking for a little bit of power and like they're looking for a little bit of control because a lot of us, we don't have control in the areas that we really want. And so, you know, if we can, if we can join a group, if we can join like a, a rally, even if it's online, then we feel like we have some control. And I think like, see, I, I understand that. But that don't mean that I'm going to be victim to that. And mm -hmm. I don't think that celebrities should be victim to that. And I know we've said it multiple times. Like, yeah, there's a certain group of people that's just dead wrong. And mm -hmm. like, they got to be called out. Absolutely. Or there's a certain group of companies that's just dead wrong. And we got to handle them. But it, it's gotten out of control. Like I watched the other day with my friend. I, I, I was at my friend's house and I was like, yeah, I, I finally got around to watching The Queen's Gambit. And I was like, it's, it's a pretty good show. I was like, it gets a little bit predictable, but I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And she was like, oh, I saw, you know, I, I saw a tweet about it that it was like, oh, you could tell a man wrote it. So I'm not even going to. I said, well, hold on a second. <laughs> hold on. You saw one tweet, one tweet made you just one tweet. Like, I, I like, who is this person? <laughs> who, 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 what profound, what profound critic tweeted it that you felt that you should follow that directive to a T. And then, at, and then I had to say, I said, you know what? I said, okay, read me the tweet. Cause like, I need all the, like before yeah. I can say anything, I just need all the information. So she reads me the tweet and I said, all right, that's, that's not untrue, but it's an oversimplification, mm. you know? And I'm like, and I, I'm gonna say this as a woman, if, if that's a, if that, if that, tweet is representative of feminism i'ma just tell all the feminists to go to sleep right now like it's yeah. just too much that we've too gone much too far <laughs> yeah we're just going too far like it's just you know do you do you see stand-up getting i think well let me start off by saying this let me make sure i preface this correctly before i say it right because i think the things that that people have been made aware of and, and when I say these things, I mean the feelings of others, right? And, and the effect that words do truly have. I'm not mm -hmm. going to downplay that. I get that. I understand that. I side with that. Do you think that stand-up will ever get back to the place that it once was while being respectful on a level that that comics basically have to be. Does that kind of make sense? Am I am yeah. I saying it right? Yeah, like if 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 we continue to succumb to this, like the over PC of it all. Yeah, just could it like, ever I feel like be stand up. I feel like stand up comedy. You know, it's slowly. 
I feel like it's slowly being viewed almost as politics at this yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do, do you see or think that it will ever swerve in a direction where it's back to the purpose of just solely being funny or trying to be funny? And that's what it's viewed as and nothing more. I hope so. I hope, I, ho- I hope that it gets back to that because I saw somebody be so funny the other day at a comedy show. I, was just, I had to thank God. I had to stop and just say, say a prayer because it was so funny. I cannot wait until I can go back into a comedy environment. But I don't like that right now. There's this weird thing that I do where when I'm talking to people and I hear people say shit in my mind, I'm like, oh, that was tough. Yeah. Like if a person says something, but it's because I'm, I'm in this corporate world now as well. Mm-hmm. And my corporate world is almost catching up to the, to the world of Kevin the star, mm-hmm. right? Motherfuckers are getting close to equal. So I'm, I'm around this, this machine constantly. And when people say things, I'm always looking at it as, oh, that's going to, that could be offensive. Yeah. Oh God. I think somebody's going to be offended by that. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. We got to edit that out. That's just, oh my God. Like I'm, I hear, I hear things so much that I'm like, I'm constantly on this. I'm on this fucking, this defensive, like, mode of making sure I didn't, well, I heard, but I'm aware I'm what, wait a second. And that to me, that's a, that's a thing. That's a thing. And that's to, to turn, to turn a comedic mind into that. It's a, it's a weird thing because, you know, it's like, fuck, where, where's our world going? Where's our craft slowly merging to and what does this mean for the younger generation of funny what's this mean for the new generation of funny you know you're a 10 year senior but you're fucking still you're part of that generation of next yeah um yeah i mean it is it is you know it is hard like i said i'm speaking from a place where i have gained a lot but i could also stand to to lose what i have Mm-hmm. You know, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know what, what, what I think the problem is? Everybody thinks comedy is easy. They do. Everybody. Isn't it that, does it make you mad? Does it upset you a little bit? It, it only upsets me when people try and put certain parameters like, well, you offended me. You can't say that. Oh, well, if you're going to talk about that, you can't talk about. It's like, do you know how hard this is? Mm. If you knew how hard this, see, I'm never going to go, I ain't never going to go into a, a operating room and be like, I mean, well, you know, they got another scalpel. Like, I ain't never going to do that. You know, it's like they, I did comedy, especially when you watch the good ones, they make it look so easy, you know, sure. and so people think that it's easy. And when you think that something is easy, you have little respect for it. I, I love that on this journey of just, Great conversation, man. We kept it personable. We kept it fun. Then that's what this is about. Thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me. This was great. This is fucking great, man. I love it. I love it. I wish you nothing but the best. More success. I can't wait to see you at 50,000 followers on IG. We're going <laughs> to It's going to be time to tighten up, get a little more sensitive with what you say around here. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again, Zaynab Johnson. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.